I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see a picture of Justin Bieber. He's on the cover of GQ. I'm scrolling past it and I'm like, whoa, that ring, that ring looks familiar. I, I zoom in, it's my skull ring, my gold skull ring that he was wearing. And I go, I go to their website and I see on their website, it says full credit to Degs and Sal and all that. And I was just flipping. They get popped a bottle of tequila. Maybe chug the whole thing. It was just the craziest. Justin Bieber is wearing your ring on yeah. the cover of GQ. When Eddie Shabney was 18 years old, he was putting beads on a string in his grandmother's basement. Through hustle, grit, and determination, Eddie managed to get Deggs and Sal into every major New York City department store and landed multiple covers of GQ magazine. When I graduated high school, my dad actually told me, you have two options. He was very chill. He was like, you're either going to work or you're going to college. So I wasn't ready to work at the time. I was like, all right, let's try out college. I was like, all right, well, the only school that will accept me because my grades weren't great, Brookdale Community College. So I went to go try it out. I was there for about you know 20, 20 to 30 minutes. And then I realized it wasn't for me. And I said, all right, I'm ready for work. And I went to go work, uh, work by my dad. My dad at the time was selling mortgages. And actually that's kind of what brought me into Degs and Sal was starting there. It was actually one night, I was chilling with a bunch of friends and starting to get nice out with a by a bonfire. I was like, yeah, whatever, I hate this job that I'm doing. I want to do something maybe in fashion. These two kids heard like, I guess, either a little ambition or I don't know what they heard, but they were, they, they saw something. They saw something and they brought, brought, brought up like, hey, want to be part of Degs and Sal? I'm like, there was nothing. It was an Instagram account and a name. They go to the bead store, they make a bracelet for themselves and they wear it. And like, that's what their initial thing was. Like, maybe we could make Degs and Sal. We'll make the name Degs and Sal and we'll, we'll uh, apply it to this bracelet company or jewelry company that we're trying to make. I was like, okay, let's do you're, it. You are betting on this idea purely based on the fact that you hate your current job. Yeah, I was just, I was, I guess I was so fed up with my current job that like I would try and make anything work. This was like my first opportunity as an out. Let me see it through. So after this bonfire, you're like, all right guys, Let's do I'm it. Ready to start. I'm, I'm ready to start. I'll come in tomorrow to the city at your lunch break. We'll go to these stores, and that's exactly what we did. How do you? How are we gonna sell this thing if we're all working a you know nine to five job and then commuting to the city at the same time? Dude, let's let's all quit, and like we'll go hustle this thing in the streets. We'll fill up backpacks, we'll take samples, and we'll just go door to door. There's so many boutique stores in New Jersey. I told them like, listen, if you don't wanna quit. I'll, I'll buy you guys out, no problem. Like this, this is no bad blood. Like right now, it's literally it's a zero revenue company. Right. We're not, you know, all we have is an LLC together, and that's it. So now, like August, September comes, and it's just me. And I think it was actually that first September, like I got my first order from Gilt, and at the time, we're still manufacturing out of these bead stores in Manhattan. So to fulfill this order, I have to go get the production. I bring a huge suitcase with me. You know, I would walk into these bead stores and just start negotiating with these people. I'd be like, hey, how many strands of the turquoise do you have? They're like, all right, we have 150. All right, how much do you normally sell it for? They're like, eh, I don't know, let's say it was like $10 a strand. I'm like, all right, how many, you have 150 strands? I'll take your whole lot, just give it to me for like four bucks. I would be able to make money on it and it was great. I would fill up the whole suitcase, 
walk through the city with it and go back to Jersey and get to my manufacturing plant. And then you open up the suitcase, you started in your house, in your bedroom? Started in my bedroom, um, and then we outgrew that space because we were, I guess, expanding too much. And we had to move into the new headquarters called my grandmother's basement. The orders were starting to get like a little too big for me to handle, so I would hire friends of mine to like, hey, like, you know, I know you're not working right now, and come, I'll give you like a dollar a bracelet. You know, I actually remember the first order on our website. His name was Matthew DeBartolo. And I remember I, when I got the order, they like leave a phone number and part of like checking out. So I called him and I said like, hey, this is Eddie from Degs and Sal. I just want to thank you for the order. Like we were first starting out. We got our first order from someone so random that like, it wasn't like a family member or a, like a friend trying to make us feel good. You know, it was, they bought it because they liked the product and that was it. Actually in 2014, I graduated a small step and moved manufacturing to Mexico and actually flew to Mexico to start doing sterling silver. Why did you find this factory in Mexico? A trade show. I went to a jewelry trade show. Um, that was actually my first trade show, the MJSA show. I didn't really know what, it, what I was even, I think I went with my mom. Like I didn't <laughs> know what I was doing. I met this guy and, and yeah, they were my manufacturer for years. You then decided to take on partners. Yeah. I got an offer to, you know, partner up with these guys and you know they'll help me grow this thing was the whole concept behind it and i guess me being young and naive i was 20 21 at the time i was just like i don't really care what the offer is at this point i just want to be in the city and you know work thanks and south somehow you know uh, you know it's like a crossroads it was just like maybe this thing is too big for me to handle and maybe i can't grow it myself and maybe i do need partners so i thought that was the best thing to do and I partnered with them. So they actually came to me and said like, listen, like this isn't enough for three people and it's not growing at the speed that we thought it was gonna grow. And I was like, I, I see that, but you guys also like, you just basically partnered with me and I'm running the same exact operation just in your office. So, you know. Like what were you expecting? Yeah, like if you were supposed to come in and like kind of like help me lift this thing and it wasn't like that and at this point this is the middle of your career you're not so big yet you're a few yeah. years in you're yeah. still building still we're not in any of the retailers we're still working like the gilts and the halt looks so eight months later into the partnership they said we want to de-escalate de-escalating is if you've ever had partners before it's never fun like i'm talking when there's like inventory involved the first time it was like the initial investment, each guy was like 300 bucks. We were three months in. It was like, I'm still best friends with both of those guys today. That was in 2013. 2013, yeah. That was easy. That was easy and I, I don't even, re it's like a blip on the radar. But this was like a real partnership. Um, there was a lot of money involved. Um, there was a lot of inventory involved. There was a lot to talk about and a lot to cover. Um, so it was a big, big blow to me. Um, confidence wise also, like, it's just like, if I failed with partners, like how am I going to do this by myself? What was bothering you the most? Did you feel like you made a mistake? Did you feel like it was a bad decision? Um, it was like uh, just all of the above. Like it was, I felt like it was just like a stupid decision to even partner with them. Like it just didn't make sense. They're in the shoe business. They know nothing about the jewelry business or high end, which what I was going after. I felt like if if I failed with two partners, an entire office system behind me, which it was not really like that, but just the concept of it and I'm in the city 
you know, how am I going to do this by myself and grow this thing myself? The work that I had to do for the next like two months, it was just like work to pay off like the inventory that I have to buy back from them. And like, it was just a nightmare. It just consumed me for like two, three months. And now I'm thinking like, what's gonna be like, like after I pay off all this stuff and like just deescalate this thing, like is there gonna be a Dex and Sal? Where do I go from here? Imagine imagine going to work every day and knowing that you're never gonna reap the benefits of whatever work you're gonna do. So it was a big blow, but it was honestly the best lesson that ever happened to me. Um, you know, it taught me to, number one, you don't need partners, that's first of all. You know, if, if, you, if you could do it yourself, you could do it yourself, you know? I didn't need the partners at the time. I don't need the partners now. How did you bounce back? So, bouncing back was tough. I remember, um, actually, while I was, was um, de-escalating, I was talking to a factory in Italy. So, I went to Italy by myself, fully solo, and ended up staying there for actually a full month, like, working in the factory going back and forth to Florence and I think it once I got back I like had this like urgency to like really hit retail hard because I know I have the perfect product now it's all made in Italy it's a big selling point now so now I start really hitting the retailers hard I met Nordstrom at a trade show I got their email I got whatever I've been following up with them for a while and I tried to sell them and I actually lied to them in an email saying that I'm gonna be in Seattle for the day um, if they could like carve out an hour to just see me and whatever and I'll just try and sell them. So they agreed because I'm in Seattle, um, which I wasn't, I actually flew to Seattle. Um, stayed in a Holiday Inn Express for $100 a night. Woke up the next morning, got excited, got dressed, all excited to, for my Nordstrom meeting. I bring my samples, everything's nice. Um, I get called into the meeting and whatever, I thought the meeting went well and everything. They just went dark on me for like, I think it was like six months and then the buyer changed and I just, I was felt like such an idiot that I went all the way to Seattle, flew five hours on a plane, spent the night in the Holiday Inn Express and came home with nothing. It was a terrible, terrible experience, but you know, I said, I'm not gonna just stop. The buyer changes, I'm gonna keep emailing them. And then I keep emailing and I call and I keep following up. It was literally years from 2015. I don't think we broke them until 2017. And then once we broke Nordstrom online, you know, just store after store, I would hit up Bloomingdale's, Barney's, tell them, hey, you know, we're blowing out of Nordstrom. You gotta take our stuff in. They're, they're like, all right, if they're in Nordstrom, they must be pretty legit. And you know, it was just momentum. Keep keep building the momentum, and we were able to break a lot of a lot of retailers. Like Nordstrom, we were in Macy's, we were in Blooming Bloomingdale's, uh, Barney's, we were in before they closed up. Um, Small Ben and Even Marcus, and Saks Fifth Avenue. How'd you get on the cover of GQ? I did a trade show. I'm just hanging out at the show, and some older lady comes by with like these big dorky glasses and. She starts, she strikes a conversation. She's like, oh, I love your jewelry. Where is it made? This and that, it's sterling silver. I start talking to her about the brand. It's Degs and Sal, being all friendly and nice. And I have no idea who she is. She's like, oh, my, my name is Madeline Weeks and I work for GQ. I was just like trying to play cool. I was like, oh, cool. No, no, no issues. Yeah, GQ, that's, that's awesome. Good for you. Um, and I remember I actually wrote down Madeline Weeks GQ. I still have that notebook where I just like, I wrote her name down and I was like, all right, I gotta go find 
this girl now. I have no email, nothing. So I start LinkedIn and searching. So it's not, I mean, it's not so hard, but it's, you know, it's gonna be madeline.weeks at GQ or mweeks. You know, you just gotta figure out the format. So I tried a bunch until like I didn't get like a bounce back message from Outlook. I knew I was, I was like, all right, so then I started following up with her like, weekly. Did she respond? No responses in the beginning, which was expected in, you know, the business world. Yeah, so I just followed up like crazy with her until I finally got her to like agree to like. And you were just emailing her saying like, can we meet, can we meet? Yeah, I think her email back was like, like, I'll meet with you if you stop annoying me. I think maybe it was her email back. And she gave me like 20 minutes of her time I went up to their office and I dropped off a bunch of samples to her. Like she asked me like, hey, is this your ring and how much is it retail for? And I was like, okay, yeah, that's our ring. It's $195 or whatever it was. I opened my Instagram like three weeks later and I see Justin Bieber literally like this with our ring right there. It's like plain in sight. First cover, I was flipping out. Sales immediately spiked. So actually we got another GQ cover, Mahershala Ali on the cover wearing a turquoise necklace. So like 2016 we got a cover, 2017 we got a cover. Wait, what about Westbrook? Same thing, I open Instagram, boom. Russell Westbrook, clear as day, shirt off, wearing a black beaded necklace. What happened in 2018 with the marketing agency? So 2018, a big challenge for me was, I don't know anything about marketing. Like zero, zero about marketing. So I just kind of signed, signed my life away with this agency. So you're trusting them with spending your money and then you have to spend money on them spending your money like just like trusting them blindly here with my money which is what i thought the agency was there for after you know just clearly looking at the balance sheet after three months it wasn't it was all in the red we lost a lot of money people could look at you and say you're very successful today you must have made all the right decisions to get here Right. Really, you, these were like pivotal mistakes. Right. Yeah, no. You've lost a lot of money, you've lost a lot of confidence, you've really screwed up a few times, but yeah. it didn't matter because yes. you, as long as you figured out how to get back. Yeah, so like the mistakes we made, like if I had someone holding my hand along the way, they wouldn't have been made because they were really like foolish mistakes. Like if, if I like had someone that knew e-commerce, there would be no money lost. If you know, there's just like, that's just one example, but you know, the mistakes was a hard way to learn to do something. And I don't think I would have learned any other way.